Well, good morning. Good morning to everyone online. Um, grateful that you are here today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, just a reminder, John is on vacation right now, um, although I think he's probably watching right this second. So if y'all want to say hello, Pastor John, you know, I commented about him prayer walking over all the golf courses. That was not on Sunday, let's be clear. So pray for him that he can rest, and um, he's going to be studying some as well. So uh, thank you for praying for him. We're going to be talking about the goodness of God. We talked about that last week in Generations how things can be passed from generation to generation, and that God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness in all of that to us, that regardless of what may have been generationally your past, that that doesn't have to continue, that God and God can bring healing there. Um, in the parable of the sower, um, this parable and the mustard seed and the parable of the vineyards are the only ones that are all in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all uh, listed there. And often the seed that was sown, before, was sown before the ground was plowed. They would go out and scatter the seed and, and um, then plow the ground for it to uh, take hold. And so Jesus talks about the seed that was left on the path, the seed that was on rocky ground, the seed that was in thorns, and the seed that was in good soil. And he says, let anyone with ears to hear, let them hear. And what that meant was an invitation to seek a deeper meaning and to respond with your whole being. It wasn't just, yeah, yeah, you know, but to really respond. Jesus meant to let them consider and comprehend. So we're looking at sowers, we're looking at seed, we're looking at soil, and we're looking at results. Um, when I was... Uh, when it was, uh, I guess, it, I think it was about 2002, I was on staff at Hillcrest Church, and I was assisting the missions pastor, and over all, most of the mission trips that went out, um, but I really felt like I was supposed to come and teach at CCA. The building was new. Um, I felt like I was supposed to teach Bible, and it was an obedience thing. It wasn't, I mean, I was happy where I was. They counter-offered, you know, all of that, but I felt like I was supposed to do it. And in the back of my mind, and I'd never taught school, I mean, I, you know, Master's of Religious Education, all that kind of stuff, but um, if you asked me at 6.45 on a Wednesday night to do a program at 7, I could do it, you know? But trying to keep some of the classes and some of the kids uh, in order was very different. And I will tell you that in the back of my mind, I kind of thought uh, it would kind of be like the sound of music. Not that I sing. But, you know, I love that musical. And when I was a kid, that really was kind of therapy for me. But um, I just thought, you know, it might be a little rough at the beginning. But, you know, it would be okay. And, you know, it would be fine. And we'd all, you know, enjoy Bible together. Well, I happened to um, share that with some veteran teachers several months later, Trisha Ray and Sherry Childs. And they laughed so hard they snorted. I mean, they were bending over and, you know, because that was not the case. I had a seventh period class that um, had 28 kids. I prayed several of them away by Christmas. Um, but they were, they were train wrecks. They were train wrecks. Not all of them, but many of them had just difficult situations growing up. Um, one of the guys was excellent as a basketball player. He lived with his dad. 
And his mom lived in Dallas and never came to see him play basketball. And so he had some anger, which I don't blame him for. It's hard for me to fathom a parent living in town and not going to see their kid do whatever. So it was not easy. Um, those kids, that particular group, was gifted in having ch teachers leave that they had you know, sent some teachers packing. Um, I was pretty determined to not do that, but it was very hard. And I remember after the first day, seventh period, and I had other classes and they were great and they were awesome, but trying to say to them, God loves you when their parents didn't was hard. And trying to make it relevant, it's one thing to teach Bible and that's awesome, but to try to make it relevant for someone that's known rejection, someone that has known um, betrayal, someone that has experienced the death of a parent early in life, it was hard. It was hard. And so I felt like I had all of Christendom praying, you know, for my seventh period class. And it was a matter of obedience. It wasn't, you know, I can't look back on that and go, they were all saved, you know, because some of them needed to be. But it was obedience. And God brings the harvest, right? So in, in that class, there were, see, some of the kids that come to private schools, um, let me kind of shatter some misconceptions if you, you know, have any. Christian schools are awesome, but some of the kids that come there, it's their last stop before juvie, you know? And so they are not the well-behaved, you know, they didn't ever stand up on their chairs and say, you know, bless God, that was good, what you said. You know, there's just this blank face, you know, it was, it was so encouraging. So I could tell one day the kids were just kind of uh, nervous. And I knew something was up, but I didn't know what. And, and can I also dispel another myth that your kids don't tell you everything? Just saying, you know, you may think they tell you everything. Am I right? Y'all aren't going to amen. But just saying, as a teacher, so there was this young lady who, um, in a prayer request like the week before, talked about how she was putting gas in her car at a gas station and, and um, got mad at somebody and she got into a fist fight. And I was just like, that's precious, you know? <laughs> I mean, you got in a fist fight with a stranger at a gas station because you didn't like what they said. Um, and everybody in the class is going, yeah, that's really pretty bad. Um, so she happened one day to um, bring a gallon bag of marijuana to class. Now, it wasn't a quart size, it wasn't a snack size. Gallon, right? In her backpack, into class, into Bible class. I don't know if she thought we'd pray and it would become, you know, St. Augustine grass or something. But anyway, so somebody told somebody, and you say, thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, and so the vice principal came in and got the student. And, the, and my kids are just like, they're like meerkats, you know. I mean, usually they're just like, you know, whatever, you know. And so they were just at full alert. And then they came and got the backpack. And then we found out that, oh, well, um, the police were called, her dad was called, who was an attorney, and, um, and, he, and he was crying. He said, I don't know what to do to help her. And the police even came to CCA and did a, um, they did an assembly and just said, if Christian is in your name, you need to live like it. And they were right. 
And certainly that wasn't all the kids, and many of the kids had strong relationships with the Lord, but I would say in any Christian school, just saying, you know, stuff like that can go on. That was a special day. I was grateful it happened in my class. I'm being sarcastic. And the kids were just like, then it was like, I mean, out loud, okay, who's the narc? You know, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? You know, and the police were like, okay, this, this is to sell. You know, when you bring that much marijuana into a class, it was not for medicinal reasons. Are we clear? You know? So anyway, she was gone. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I prayed about three others out by the end of Christmas um, because it was just, it was one of those, it was the hardest thing I've ever done t- until that point in my life. I mean, it was just incredibly hard. And so got through that year, they didn't send me packing, but it was trying to connect with people when they have been wounded and they have been wounded by adults and to say, God is love. He loves you. He cares for you. When other people haven't cared for you, the people that were supposed to care for you didn't. And this certainly wasn't everybody. Um, Brad Bass asked me in the halftime, sorry, I call it halftime, donut time. Um, he said, I hope it wasn't my son's. It's like, your kids were amazing. You know, I mean, I mean, James Bass, really? You know, Stephen Bass, really? So just saying, I mean, there were kids that were amazing. There were kids that could have taught the lesson for me. And then there were kids in the class going, where's Psalms? Okay? And the deal is with that is... I remember at one point just telling someone that I felt like I was sowing seed on concrete, just like I was throwing it on the floor here, just sowing seed on concrete. And they said, you're not responsible for the soil. You're responsible to sow the seed. And I did. But it was hard. It was hard. So with that, and, you know, all the prayers for those kids, and I'd love to say they all got saved, you know, and are preachers now. I have no clue. But I know we prayed for them, and I know we shared the gospel, and hopefully there's been healing in their lives. I mean, they've gone on to do, you know, I mean, they have master's degrees and all that kind of stuff that has no reflection on their Bible grade, but anyway. (laughs) um, We should be known by how we act, right? We should be known by, by how we are as Christians as we bear his name. So at CCA, I taught there for 10 years. Um, So, um, and it was an obedience thing the whole way through. I mean, it just, it just was. Um, I'd love to say it got, it did get a little bit easier, but still trying to make scripture relevant to where kids were today and trying to help them mind in the process behave was kind of hard to do. so we had a principal, a new principal, and nice guy, nice guy. I mean, I've said nice guy, right? And we were in a meeting one time, and we were explaining that, you know, the kids wear uniforms, and so we were explaining that there was Christian T-shirt day, and the kids got to wear jeans and a Christian T-shirt. And he stopped for a moment. This is truly the conversation. And he said, well, you know, T-shirts really aren't Christian. And we're like, what are you smoking? Oh, that's probably a bad thing to say. But, but it's like, what is wrong with you? And he said, you go into a Christian store, you know, and the mugs you buy, they're not really Christian. And we're kind of like Twilight Zone music, you know. I mean, you're kind of like going, dude, 
And so my daughter, who was a sophomore, occasionally would make these t-shirts for friends or whatever, and this is what she did. This is a Christian t-shirt. It was saved as a young cotton plant during an open-air revival. That's referring back to our Methodist heritage. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are white unto harvest. And she really wore that in school. And uh, the teachers, I don't know if the guy ever, I still am trying to remember his name, not, not trying real hard. But the teachers loved it. You know, the teachers were just like, oh my gosh. She made one for me that said, I think she made one for me that said, sarcasm is my spiritual gift. Nice sarcasm in Jesus' love, not mean sarcasm. So what bears fruit in our lives? We all have good stuff and we have bad stuff. We all have things that, that we feel like, you know, are right and the good thing to do. And then we have things um, that do not. I can tell you that there have been times in my life where I've had hatred in my heart. And it wasn't like one day I was upset and the next day I was better. I mean, I've had hatred in my heart and needed to repent, needed to work through it. Um, I mean, we've, we've all been angry. You know, there's all that kind of stuff that, that sometimes we go through or sometimes we have. So what bears the fruit in our lives? I think it's important to look at, as Jesus talked about sowing the seed, he talked about thorns, he talked about rocky ground, and they weren't talking about just a few rocks. It meant there was a layer of stone there, and so there was a little bit of, of dirt, and then... Um, so that's, that's where the, the seed would just get burned up in the sun. We all have weeds that we have to deal with. Uh, in my house, my spiritual gift is growing weeds. Um, I don't put miracle Grow on them, but they just, I pull them and they come back, you know, and I deal with all of that. Um, it's so much fun. So Friday I was doing trying to pull weeds and went around to where some crepe myrtles were and there was a weed that's a vine and it wrapped around all of the all of the different stems from the crepe myrtle which I thought was just you know mean uh I mean it's like and it it will just cover it to where you can't tell what the plant is because of the weed it just makes this canopy over it. And so I was jerking it out in Jesus' love. You know, it's like, but, but just, and it, isn't that the way sometimes sin is for us? Or unforgiveness? Or something that we want to hold on to when maybe we need to let it go? I don't know for you, but I would say that for me. We've all had sin. We've all had hatred. We've all been jealous. Um, unforgiveness is huge. And, it, and it's not worth the energy, you know. And sometimes it's a matter of just saying, you know, you may not feel it. I don't know that I've ever really felt like forgiving, but we have to do it. it because it's not worth separating us from God. I would ask you about planting seeds. What is your self-talk? What do you say in your head about yourself? I don't think many people say, I'm so cool you know, in their minds. If they do, then there's a real issue with pride. I think most people struggle with being insecure, and we hear things about how we don't hear, you know, the, the love of God or how God loves us or how he cares for us and all of that. We hear different things in our minds, maybe things that were said over us, spoken over us, things that maybe we think ourselves. A lot of times we are way harder on ourselves 
than anyone knows. Robert uh, worked at the Apple store uh, several years ago during a pretty difficult time in his life, and he was he fixed iPhones, please don't call him. He fixed iPhones, and then he, um, they rotated who would be the greeter at the front door. And so this, this was at South Lake, you know, and South Lake is a pretty impoverished area, right? Um, and so he would greet people, and so this guy came in in a really nice suit, and Robert said, you know, and they kind of have a system to where you kind of have to wait a little bit, you know, Lord have mercy that we have to wait, but you know, he, you have to wait a little bit. And so the guy said to Robert, I'm a very important person. And Robert was kind of like, good. I mean, what do you say to that? You know, it's like, so Robert said, sir, um, we will get to you. We want to take care of everyone. And we want, it wasn't like you can say, go to the head of the line because you're important. You know, I mean, it's like, he also talked about meeting one day a Coptic Christian that was about to go back to Egypt. And Egypt, um, Right after the resurrection of Christ, Egypt was a Christian country. I mean, there was a, you know, they were all believers, not all, but they were believers there. In fact, they think um, Mark, the apostle Mark went there to share the gospel. Coptic Christians have a cross on their right wrist. And they do that. And so this man talked to Robert a whole lot. Robert also had a cross. He had a tattoo done. Um about that time, and so the guy noticed his tattoo. Um, and the guy said, you know, that, that we do this as a statement of, you know, whether we live or whether we die, it's to the Christ. And we know from news that Coptic Christians have been greatly persecuted by ISIS in, in former days, in former years. Um, you probably remember the picture of the, the men in the orange jumpsuits. And they were all Coptic Christians. And they all died that day on the beach. ISIS had found they were in a bus. And the bus driver, who was not a Coptic Christian, said that he wanted to go with them. He lost his life too because he didn't want to convert. So just the amazing witness of that of, you know, visibly having something that identifies you as a Christian in a Muslim land. They said that there were places, the guy said there were places they couldn't go, places they felt safe, but still um, not an easy situation. So what do we do with this scripture? How do we apply it to our lives? How does it uh, make a difference? I think the critical thing is we sow the seeds regardless of what the outcome may be. And a lot of times when you pray, you have no clue. Y'all know, I mean, you pray for something, you don't know how it's gonna turn out. That's in God's hands. That's in his hands. We pray over the Explorer boxes. I mean, there's a bunch of them out there. Y'all need to go grab yours if you have a kid or if you wanna give it to somebody in your neighborhood. We don't do that just so there's a busy week. We do that to plant seeds. We do that to make a contact with people. We do that that little kids and families could come to the Lord. You know, it's like VBS. We need people to sign up for VBS. And it's like, we don't do that week, you know, and come to the evening meetings just because we like to be really tired, you know? I mean, we do that so that children would be able to accept Jesus and, and people be able to have, understand more about him. 
Robert works at a church now in Fort Worth, Mercy Culture. It was a plant by Gateway, and he volunteered for a year. And volunteer means you get no money, <laughs> which, which I was particularly excited about. Um, but he now is working uh, in facilities. He's a janitor. And I am proud of him. And yes, he has a Bible degree and all that stuff. But I am proud of him. Because if you're not willing to wash the floors and other stuff in the house of God, how do you possibly stand up and preach? I don't think he'll be a janitor for long, but he's making money, and that's a good thing. Working really long hours, but being able to be in the house. You know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. So at their church, they have an intercessory team and they've been praying that if people were driving by, they're on an interstate, if people were driving by, they would come in. And so one day, a, a young woman um, who was raised in a Muslim home was driving by, and she said she felt compelled to come in. And so she did. And she accepted the Lord that day. And her family, her father said, you are dead to us. And she couldn't go home. And she couldn't, like, go get her stuff. You were dead to us. And so people at the church um, took her in, and, you know, she went to church and learned and all that kind of stuff. And now she is back with her family because they've seen the difference in her life. And my suspicion is that the intercessors are praying that family comes to the Lord. We have people that drive by every day, right? And so praying that they would come in. I know that... Uh, Mary Beth was at the, um, at Dillard's, I'm pretty sure. It was Dillard's, yes, when she met Persis, who is here today. Um, and Mary Beth, you know, just shopping for clothes, talked to Persis. And she's come to church, she's come to the Lord, and needs prayer for healing now. And we pray for Persis, for a good report. I encourage you to think about what do we plant verbally? What do we say to people? Is it a blessing? Is it a curse? Is it indifference? You hear a whole lot of whatever, right? There's not the difference. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference, just not caring. So what do we say to ourselves? Do we quote scripture to ourselves? You know, do we, do we bless people? How powerful are our words and the seeds we plant? What do we do with our time? You know, it's like investing in people. Vacation Bible School is an investment. The boxes going out, the Explorer boxes, that's an investment. When you come here and do Sunday School or whatever, it's an investment in people in your class and people that need hope. Investment is not always money your life may be far more important. At the end of the day, what really matters? At the end of the day, what really counts for eternity? There's so much stuff we have to do, and we have to do all that. I mean, you know, it's not easy to, I mean, but, but can we intentionally think about planting seeds? knowing it, it may go into the thorns or it may go onto hard ground, concrete, or it may produce 
30 or 60 or 100 fold. The harvest is in God's hands. Our job is to sow the seed. Sometimes it's very difficult to come up with conversations or how do you, you know, what do I say or whatever. And like for Gary Swindle and I would say for Mary Beth and I'm sure there are others, they, it just flows for them. They can just, at Dillard's, they can start talking to somebody, you know, and invite them to church. When I'm just like, well, you know. Um, there's going to be a, a couple of guest speakers on July the 7th here on Wednesday night. We're starting, it's mission meals for a while. Um, that help you know how to start conversations. And it's not just, yes, they worked in the Muslim countries and stuff, but it's for everything. I've heard their, their video, and they're very good. And it just is practical ways to share your faith. So many people need hope. Our land is in turmoil. So many people need hope. And the hope we have is in the Lord. So may God give us his eyes to see people and their need. May God give us his heart for those that really may be desperate. May God give us the courage to know how to plant seeds in a way that bring life. I don't want to be the vine wrapping around the crepe myrtle plant that covers it and you can't see the fruit. I want fruit to be able to be shown so God, we thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you that, that we can come and pray at these prayer rails. God, we thank you that by your spirit, you know exactly where we are and you know exactly what we need. And God, we want to be faithful. We want to be obedient to sow seed. And Lord, we thank you that you bring the harvest. You bring the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.